Hello and welcome to TASME Time, Talks in Medical Education. I'm Oliver, an internal medicine trainee based in London. And I'm Mark, a teaching fellow based in the northeast of England. Happy New Year, Ollie. How's your week been? Happy New Year to you too, Mark. Um, it's been a busy few days back at work, um, but I am now looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, so am I, Ollie. So today we're joined by Dr. Neil Thakrar, who is the co-lead of TASME's awards. Um, he's also an internal medicine trainee based in Northampton and very luckily for today's episode, um, was the winner of TASME's Teaching Innovation and Excellence Prize last year. So we'll be able to give us a little bit of insight into that. Welcome to TASME Time, Neil. It's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and a happy new year to everyone. And to you. Um, Neil, just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your career so far and how you got involved in medical education? Absolutely. So I'm a less than full-time internal medicine trainee, currently based in Northampton within the East Midlands. Clinically, I'm a budding geriatrician and academically, I'm interested in teaching clinical reasoning. In terms of how I got involved in medical education, um, I've always had a passion for teaching, even from my school and A-level days. So I think uh, I remember being a psychology mentor as an A2 student, um, helping AS students who needed some support. And I remember reading um, a job advert in the student PMJ, actually, for a clinical demonstrator at Leicester Medical School, and I bookmarked it as a, as a job I wanted in the future. So when I got to medical school at Leicester, I got involved with a peer-led teaching society called Leicester Insight, and I held various roles on the committee for that, including being their webmaster, so I set up and still own leicesterinsight.co.uk. I was their secretary for a while and also the co-president in my intercalated BSc year. Towards the end of my time as a medical student, I had the opportunity to work with some assessment faculty at Leicester Medical School because the school was undergoing a transition of curriculum. So with a few friends and colleagues with Leicester Insight and the assessment team, we designed some bespoke Mokoskis for those in the transition phase. And we presented the analysis and feedback of those at ASME and AMI. And then post-foundation years, I came back to Leicester Medical School as a clinical teaching fellow, first as a phase one CTF. So I was running group work, bedside tutorials, dissection room practicals with years one and two. And then I stayed on for another year as a phase two CTF, um, which was more clinically oriented um, in years three, four and five. And now I've gone 80% um, in my clinical training to hopefully fit in some med ed fun uh, with TASME around my clinical commitments. That's great. Thank you. And sounds like you've done so much um, already in your career and sort of such varied sort of bits of medical education practice. Um, you mentioned that you are now part of TASME. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what your role is now in TASME. Yeah, thank you so much. So... Um, I was delighted to join TASME this year after uh, meeting a lot of the great committee team uh, at the ASME ASM in the summer. So I'm one of two people serving on the awards team. 
and the other is Laura Powell, who is an anaesthetic trainee. And together we are responsible for organising our various prizes throughout the academic calendar, um, advertising those, marking and judging applicants, as well as liaising with the ASME office to coordinate uh, the delivery of those prizes and judging of those at our various events. And we're really excited to celebrate some fantastic work from uh, trainees and budding medical educators uh, and showcase their fantastic achievements. That's great. Thank you. And um, as we are on the subject, and that's what we're here to talk about this uh, today, let's delve in. And so what are the different awards that TASME runs and what's available? Absolutely. So there's three mainstay prizes uh, throughout the um, academic year. Those are the ASM Communication Prize, the Mentorship Prize, and the uh, Teaching Innovation an excellence prize, also known as the Thai prize for short. So I can talk you through those in turn in um, chronological order, probably be best in terms of their upcoming deadlines. So firstly, most imminent of those is our ASM communication prize, uh, the deadline for which is the Thursday, the th- 25th of January, um, till 5pm on that day, which is also the deadline for abstract submissions uh, for the ASME ASM 2024, which is on the 10th to the 12th of July uh, in the summer uh, at the University of Warwick. So this prize really is to celebrate creativity and skill in communicating medical education work. So we recognise that a lot of um, early career educators complete small and discrete projects, but still of a really high quality. Um, And so we're looking to recognize those projects and the way they're communicated as oral presentations at the ASME ASM. Um, So in order to enter that, or if you're already submitting an abstract to our ASM, it's a case of going through our abstract submission process on the ASME website and just indicating on the submission form that you want to be considered um, for uh, the the TASME ASM communication prize and that way you'll be uh, considered in our marking of those oral presentations. If there are lots of applicants, we might have to apply a short listing criteria which will will be based on the creativity within which you communicate uh, the project idea and delivery on the abstract submission. Uh, And then at the ASM, those shortlisted uh, candidates will then be marked uh, on the way they present their work really uh, and demonstrate with creativity uh, their their teaching projects. And it doesn't just have to be uh, a teaching project. It can be something that's more research related within education or, or an innovation too. So that's the um, ASM Communication Prize. Uh, Secondly, we have the Mentorship Prize, uh, the closing date for which is the 4th of March 2024, and that's already open to submissions on our website. So this prize is to help um, educators in training who are looking to network or meet with a potential mentor or set up a collaboration, uh, but may benefit from some resources or monetary input to to make that physically happen. So it might be, for example, you are looking to travel outside of your geographical region 
and um, set up a collaboration and network with a mentor elsewhere and you need some funds towards your travel uh, and uh, accommodation to, to make that happen. And so the application process involves a written application on our website where you describe how you would utilize the award, uh, the rationale um, for, for entering and, and what you'd really like to use that prize for and how you see yourself uh, developing that collaboration and disseminating your work down the line. Um, and then thirdly, we have the Thai prize or the Teaching Innovation and Excellence prize. So. This one is not open to submissions just yet, but will be uh, towards the end of January and the closing date will be towards the end of March. The details will be uh, on our website soon. And that's really to, to recognise talent and ingenuity um, from those embarking on a career in medical education who have really developed a, a new innovation in their teaching and can demonstrate some tangible evidence of excellence um, in terms of feedback or a lasting institutional change really. Uh, in order to enter that you'd have to submit again on our website um, a 600 word submission uh, and that would come under four headings each with 150 word count uh, word limits. And really what we're looking for with this prize is um, have you done something that's innovative and can you describe educational activity which uses evidence-based teaching strat strategies? Have you harnessed um, certain pedagogy to inform your instructional design? And what is the evidence for achieving excellence? So is that feedback from uh, the recipients of the teaching, from colleagues? Have you done some, some, some sort of evaluation in terms of qualitative or, or quantitative measures to, to gauge that? Um, and then the shortlisted applicants, usually of which there are three, who are invited to present at our ASM in one of the uh, intra-conference workshop sessions, um, will be invited to present for 10 minutes, followed by five minutes of questions from our judging panel. Um, and each will be scored against a set rubric uh, and the judges will decide on, on a winner at, at the conference. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Neil. Um, and we can put the link to get more um, information about those from the ASME website uh, within the TASME um, section um, in our show notes. So listeners can have a listen to that if they want a bit more information. Um, you've chatted a bit about obviously what prizes are available and you've chatted a bit about how people apply and also the bit of the um, sort of how they're marked and, and how people are shortlisted as well, which I think will be um, really interesting to listeners who are thinking of applying. So thank you. Um, now, Neil, you're, you're in quite the unique position of um, being both um, one of the co-leads for the awards um, committee, but also being a previous winner yourself um, of the Thai Prize. I was wondering if you could just um, chat to us a little bit about um, your project that won you that prize, hopefully to give some inspiration to, to some of the listeners who, who might be thinking about applying. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, and thanks very much. I'm really grateful to Tasmi and Asmi um, for kindly selecting me as the winner of the Thai Prize last year. There were some fantastic educators at the conference, all of whom were, were so deserving. So I feel really fortunate um, to have received that. So as I say, I have an interest in teaching clinical reasoning um, that partly came about through my peer teaching work um, with Leicester Insight. Our focus has always been on teaching people how to think rather than content. 
And I also did a student selected component in my fourth year of medical school, um, which was on clinical reasoning. And that helped to formalize some of the underlying theory and concepts about clinical reasoning. Uh, and it just really occurred to me that uh, we really needed more of that type of explicit clinical reasoning teaching in undergraduate curricula. Uh, and so when I started my foundation years, I was much more aware of cognitive biases, for example, in the decision-making process and diagnostic process. Um, and I was keeping sort of my own log of cases where I'd seen really good examples of clinical reasoning and also where, where errors had been uh, made. And this sort of library of cases sort of became a teaching library where I was using these cases to highlight concepts within clinical reasoning and actually designed an entire course um, and took that to Leicester Medical School as a clinical teaching fellow and piloted that as a program for third year medical students. We know from the literature that there's a consensus that teaching clinical reasoning should be a longitudinal theme and students at Leicester were currently having an explicit course in their first two years, but that was perhaps diluted in, in years three, four and five. So this was really to try and extend um, their first two years into a third year programme with a view to, to build on that in years four and five. So year three students signed up on a voluntary basis and they became my intervention group um, who attended the course over eight weeks. I set up a two-centre study, uh, and that was with Aston Medical School, who actually share Leicester's curriculum. Uh, and so they made an ideal control group in that they did what the third years did at Leicester, but without the pilot clinical reasoning course. Um, the study was mixed methods. So all students, whether they were in the control at Aston or the intervention at Leicester, they did a diagnostic questionnaire at baseline which is a validated inventory from the clinical reasoning literature. And then eight weeks later, um, so that was just an eight week time interval uh, at Aston Medical School and eight weeks after the course at Leicester Medical School, the diagnostic inventory was done again. And the Leicester student showed a, a statistically significant difference, an improvement in their diagnostic thinking. Whereas uh, statistically Aston students showed no change really. And then to understand how and why the course may have made an impact, I invited Leicester students to attend semi-structured interviews. And I've been doing a thematic analysis with, with their feedback and comments about how it's really made an impact. And that's gone towards helping to embed clinical reasoning as a longitudinal theme at, in Leicester's curriculum. Brilliant, really interesting. Um, and as someone who has tried to... Um do a um, semi-small clinical reasoning project at our graduate level. I can only applaud you for um, pursuing it because I miserably failed. Um, so I, I just had a few questions about initially um, with the project. Obviously, it sounds like eventually you had really good educator buy-in from Leicester and from, from Aston University. But I wonder, um, how, how easy did you find it to approach those medical schools to ask them about the pilot project, did you feel, um, did you feel that you were sort of they were very keen and, and initially from the get go they had a lot of buy in, or was it sort of a little bit more of a challenge than that? In my experience, um, both schools were really keen from the get go. There's 
a national and international consensus uh, and a drive really to increase the uh, explicit teaching of um, clinical reasoning in undergraduate curricula. So I think this was something that was already uh, on the cards at both schools and perhaps my approach with an outline of a course might have been the catalyst to, to, to move that forward. Um, so in terms of buy-in, I think that was um, pushing an open door, really. The challenge, however, it, curriculum change can be difficult for various reasons, and making a change that is sustainable and lasting can be really challenging um, in terms of infrastructure, timetabling, student numbers, resources, faculty development, they're all recognised um, barriers. And so that was a, a really challenging part and uh, still a work in progress, I, I should say. But um, looking forward, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of good things to, co to come out of this. And I think lots of schools are cottoning on that clinical reasoning is something we really need to be emphasising in undergraduate education. It's the, the kernel of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, really. So it should be core in our curriculum. When did you um, first think about applying for the award? If you take yourself back to last year, did you know you were going to apply for the award whilst you were working on the project? Or I know you're still working on it now. Or when did you sort of think this was potentially award winning? I... I think the best projects are ones that are born out of a passion for a subject rather than a, a materialistic goal or incentive at, at the end. So I had no idea about the award when starting out. In fact, when start, this has become my master's uh, um, thesis. But in, when, when I started out, I didn't know it was going to be my master's project. It was just a project for the love of clinical reasoning and, and teaching. Um, having said that, I think it is important to keep an eye out for opportunities that can help with career progression. Um, and so it was when the project was in full swing and the course had actually been delivered, I was in the process of um, analysing data that I started to look for opportunities to present it. So, for example, we presented at the International Clinical Skills Conference in Prato, Italy. Um, and, and sort of when I was looking for those opportunities, I came across TASMI's um, Thai prize. And I thought this, when I'd read the criteria in terms of using evidence-based pedagogy and instructional design, I, I felt like this really aligned with, with the values of the Thai prize. Um, and so I thought, why not go for it? Uh, my advice to anyone is you can't win a TASMI award if you don't apply for one. So just go for it. And if anything, it, it's a learning process. Um, we're happy to give feedback on submissions, whether they're successful or not. Uh, and there can only be something to gain by entering. So I went for it, really. But I did have my eye on it for a while. So I think I knew at the start of last academic year, it was something that was in, in my agenda um, for the year ahead. Okay, so a little bit of pre-thought into it, but um, not not with this, not at the start of the project. And um, you mentioned a little bit about how things like TASMI awards can help your career going forward. Have you, um, since winning the the award, has it changed your life, or has it helped your career in a going forward? Do you think it's been brilliant for um, career progression and next steps, really? So. 
first and foremost, that introduced me to the TASME committee. And um, I'd had thoughts about joining TASME anyway, but once I'd got, got to meet you all in person, that really cemented that I wanted to be part of um, such a great and friendly team who are all um, interested in MedEd. Uh, and so that led to me applying to the TASME committee, and now uh, I'm working with all of you, which is which is fantastic. And I think it's helped to give me um, a voice to to advocate for a subject I'm passionate about, which has helped to reach uh, other people. And um, so, for example, I was approached by the appointed clinical reasoning leads at Birmingham Medical School, um, who wanted a chat about barriers to overcome and any advice on designing and implementing a, a clinical reasoning program so i had a really good conversation with them uh, and so it's been really good for my networking and career progression in, in that sense and i can see myself offering um that sort of role to, to other medical schools um if, if they're interested so yeah i think i think it's been fantastic and uh, only positive things to come from from applying and winning an award that's great Thank you again to Neil for joining us for this discussion. If you want to find out more about TASME's awards, um, including the prizes available for them, just visit our website at asme.org.uk forward slash awards. If you have enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for listening to TASME Time and we look forward to seeing you again soon.